Kicking and Screaming podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Vanessa Guerrero. I'm your other co-host, Elijah Taylor. And if you're listening to us for the first time, we are a podcast that uh, combines the horror and martial arts genres because we think they're two genres that don't get enough credit. Um, And likely, if you're a fan of one, you're probably going to like the other one. So we create double features that highlight just how amazing they are when they're held up next to each other. Couldn't have said it better myself. I agree. Thank you. Literally not a clue how I managed to do that. Uh, You nailed it. It's like the teleprompter of my brain was just generating as it went along. Yeah, I feel like that was like your best intro yet, honestly. A week of rest. It did you good. A week of rest and my head is still so congested with mucus. Um, (laughs) If you've listened to us before, we recently skipped a week because I was very sick and Elijah had to eat a lot of hamburgers. It was more about the burgers than you being sick. I actually feel like you got sick like a day after we would have recorded. Yeah. I think being sick has clouded your memory. I think it was like a day before. I don't know. I think I think you're gaslighting yourself. I think you're like I think you're Look, like I got sick. It's my fault, but I'm taking full blame here. I don't remember a lot because we also <laughs> learned I'm allergic to cough syrup. That's true. So you were treating a sickness with cough syrup that kept making you sicker and I sicker. I was more <laughs> was violently upsetting, ill. People actually. were pretty worried. It got really dark there for a minute. Literally, it wasn't until I stopped taking the cough syrup that I started getting better. And then your mom was like, oh, yeah, no, you're really allergic to that. You should never take that. So, it used to make you so sick when you were a kid. Yep. That's yeah. a real my mom thing. Occasionally, she'll just like drop some like very helpful health information that you yeah. should have known for decades. Like when I was a... Uh, all quarantine. We were like, why is Vanessa so pale? Why does she keep passing out? And she's like, you've had chronic anemia for yeah. your whole childhood. She just forgot to tell you. Yep. Yeah. But no, we uh, we took a week off uh, because I had to attend the Denver burger battle. And uh, I prioritized burgers over the podcast. Uh, for shame. And I'm not sorry. And I would do it again. <laughs> I didn't even get to eat those burgers. Oh, they were great. They I were was so just good. Hallucinating on Nyquil. I'm still I still got a tweet about all those burgers. I took I took a lot of photos. That became a horror movie. Yeah, I mean I had about fifteen cheeseburgers uh throughout the course of the day and they were like some hefty burgers. You know, it was not like a McDouble. They were like you know, stacked up full of other meats and toppings and things. Uh so I started off uh pretty pretty strong in the photo department, but once you get about ten burgers deep, you the, get me uh, drunk. Yeah, you get meat drunk, and the photos definitely reflect that. Uh, it became a lot of uh, abstract, uh, kind of impressionist photos, <laughs> if you will. It looked like he was trying to take a photo of a stranger that he was following, and a burger just happened to get in the way. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, it gets uncomfortable, but I'll uh, I'll tweet those out soon for anyone uh, who wants to look at photos of burgers, I guess. Which I would hope is some of you. Yeah, we got some burger lovers out there. Probably. Uh, you know what else we have? A martial arts movie? Do you know what time it is? What time is it? Elijah, do you know what it, what time it is? Uh, 12.19 a.m. Elijah, what time Friday. is it? Friday. I have no idea. Elijah, what time is it? I, I feel like this is probably a bit. But I also feel equal parts like I might be losing my mind, so I need you to help me out here. Elijah, it's time for my new bit in which I make Elijah have a panic attack to let him know we're opening the mailbag. Oh, thank God. I thought that this was how I was going to find out I was in a coma. 
Elijah, wake up. <laughs> no, don't do it. I hate that bit. <laughs> I did that to a coworker today and uh, looked like it for a second. They thought it was real. Um, the worst one. So, first comment. Uh, it's from Daniel Epler at Epler Daniel. Because Kick Scream Pod definitely convinced me, I need to give this a second look. Now watching Waxwork. Um, they posted yeah. some great photos of both uh, China and the uh, werewolf, and also I've met China before, on uh, the bathroom of the Egyptian theater. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the next comment right after that is from Dan Machholtz. Machholtz. I am so bad at middle names. Hi, Dan. I remember watching this in the basement of my older... Uh, I'm assuming sibling and hot next door neighbor's place on Betamax to boot. I remember loving it, but wasn't sure if it was the movie or the environment. I might say both. I um, mean, it's a horny movie and you're watching it at the hot next door neighbor's place. Like that's a good time. It's a good time. That's and honestly, I feel like there's a lot of movies where like the movie is great, but the, the situation is also good. Like when we made out to the mutilator. Yeah, that's true. Like, I think, you know, I like the mutilator no matter what, but yeah, it's one of my favorites because uh, it was the first time we kissed. Yeah, yeah it's good stuff. Um, and uh, uh, I mutilator more like smoochia later. I know, I was a big fan. More, more like smoochia later because then later we got married and we kept smooching. And we kept smooching yeah, and then we kept like the whole horror thing going, good. and yeah. then eventually we we're gonna have an attic of secrets. Um, and then uh, our next and final comment before we get straight into this because I'm very excited to talk about both of these movies. It's today. actually our final comment of all time. After this, no more comments. We're not taking them. Nope. All right. Uh, this one is <laughs> a uh, comment from a listener that I'm a fan of. Same. Uh, and that is Darwin Finch at Dardar Finch. And for any wrestling fans out there, um, love watching him as the uh, punk rock poindexter in Wrestling Pro Wrestling. An absolute blast. Yeah. We recently went with both Colangelo's. Uh, amazing time. Uh, and uh, been listening to Kick Screen Pod in the lab today, and I find it very insightful and entertaining and reminds me I need to get back into watching martial arts films on top of all the horror I already feed my brain. And uh, that's why we have to have you on, Darwin. Yeah, we got to have Darwin on. And uh, also, agreed, you got to watch martial arts movies. I mean, especially uh, he's out there wrestling. As a big high flyer. Yeah, you got you to gotta learn those moves. You got you to gotta watch some martial arts movies for inspiration. And, you know, you see Sammo Hung do a move, and then you're like, ooh, I got to try that out. That's what I do, at least, and I'm not even a wrestler. No. I just try just out moves around the house. Throw cats and pillows and wives around. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a good life. Um, I, I will say there's been a shift in dynamic ever since you realized I'm not that weak. No, I disagree. I agree. I think the dynamic remains unchanged. Nope. Mm. I think you respect me 2% more. I, okay, yeah. I see? See? That. see? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I think the, the dynamic of me, uh, like, karate chopping you remains unchanged. So, I'm still a little congested, still a little loopy. Still, still catching up on sleep. I was, I was trying to like fully a karate chop sound, and then I assumed you would be like, ah, but no, I wanted them to think that I could take it really oh, well. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, with your iron body. Uh, but yeah, I'm a little loopy. Yeah, I'm a little weird. I don't know if anybody can hear it, but I'm still a little, little congested. Um, so I have a quick question before we get into this episode. Okay. <laughs> Whose pick was it again? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this was it one. Me? 
Uh, no, it was it was my pick of uh, the Magnificent Butcher, uh, but because we were pressed for time, because originally the plan was to record before I left for the Burger Festival, uh, which did not end up coming to fruition because uh, again. I prioritized burgers over the podcast uh, because we were pressed for time. I think that basically I said Magnificent Butcher. Oh, which? No, I'm pretty sure I said Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Either way, one of us, basically, I think what happened was one of us said one title and the other was like, based on the title, I'm doing this. I'm almost pot. <clears throat> for this week's feature presentation <laughs> our, first, our first film I have chosen I have chosen The, movie, the Magnificent Butcher <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> No Yes No I'm 90% sure I chose Magnificent Butcher And you were like Ah oh, Butcher Texas Chainsaw hardly Massacre <laughs> Butcher Hardly newer I am... Usually, usually, if you're a first-time listener, this usually doesn't happen. What normally happens is that we alternate uh, choosing either a horror or martial arts film and challenging the other co-host. It's been a weird week, to... and I am almost positive I went with Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, what was what was last week's episode before the week off? Because we switch off every time. Waxwork. Waxwork. Vanessa Guerrero chose Waxwork. Why are you going to ask me whose choice it was if you don't believe me when I tell you? So for this week's feature presentation, I've chosen... The Magnificent Butcher. Yes, I hit the button. Yeah. I hit the button. you got to put the music in twice now. Oh, God damn it. Uh, three, three times total, I guess. How do you make a song sound like a tug of war? <laughs> We're going to find out when we edit this. Yeah. Uh yeah, I chose uh Magnificent Butcher, uh because it rules and uh because uh I just want more Samo in my life in general. Uh it's it's one of I, I think one of the best films directed by Yuan Wo Ping. Uh of course he's like choreographed a ton of incredible stuff, uh but as far as things that he like also directed, uh you've got like Drunken Master, Magnificent Butcher, uh, God, what is it? Drunken the, Master being my favorite. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, and then uh, one that we've covered uh, on the Once Upon a Time in China. Uh, he he directed a. It's the the, the one with the frog monster. Oh, uh, Shaolin Drunkard. Yes, Taoism Drunkard. Yeah, which there's like a trilogy. Uh, but yeah, as far as like films that he's. Did you want me to, to click was, on Yuan Wuping? Yeah, I was trying to click Yuan Wuping's name on Wikipedia, so I was leaning away from the microphone. Uh, but yeah, of course, he's like choreographed a ton of great stuff, but as far as things that he's like actually directed, uh, Magnificent Butcher is like way up there uh, towards towards the top uh, of, of one of my favorites of his. Uh, I also, it's, I, it's, it's weird, but I feel like he, like as, as a director, uh, has gone downhill, like as a choreographer his fights are still amazing but like his fights just look better when someone else shoots them now uh don't know why but like i i think since like true legend onward uh i'm like not a huge fan of uh films that he actually directs uh but man this was this was back at like peak uh peak yuan Wo ping and 
Uh, I think also like peak Samo. It's it's a young, beautiful Samo in uh in very good shape, doing some fantastic like acrobatic Truly choreography. Yeah, and doing like a, a bunch of different kind of like kung fu styles. Doing you know like uh, like snake and like you know crane and mm-hmm. eagle and dragon, uh, and just making all of them look fantastic. But it's also uh, one of the one of the films in which you see like Samo doing a lot of uh, you know what what Jackie became famous for a, a lot, lot of, of comedic choreo yeah a lot of a lot of comedy in the choreo a lot of slapstick a lot of like uh, you know really impressive physicality mixed with uh, great like face acting you know just like he does a lot of face acting in yeah. this he gets real rubbery yeah a lot of like really like just expressive uh, you know fun fun moments where he's just selling something on his face uh, and then yeah a lot of like mixing levity in the choreography of like even the final fight which is uh like uh, objectively a pretty like bleak scenario in which a man is like it takes a bleak turn at some point yeah it's a really funny movie that gets really fucking dark yeah but even like you know in that final fight it's like samo's butt gets lit on fire and they're like fighting with that uh with that like huge uh huge pan i don't know if it's like a walk it's like a big curved pan uh, but like they they work in yeah those moments of levity into the choreo even you know when the stakes are very high in the fight scene and Samo sells all of it so well uh, and you know commits so hard to like the physicality and like the the power of everything that he's doing like he sells uh, he, he sells his movements in a way that you're like yo it would suck to get punched by Samo Hung like he hits hard. He looks so just like strong and and agile and him, him hitting his own head sounds painful. Yeah, when he like face palms and slaps his own head, it's like a like just a it's just a so meaty slap every single time. Yeah, but it's it's a great example of you know someone else doing the thing that that Jackie made famous and like for my money doing it just as well in a way that like you know I think uh, Samo didn't always get the credit for because i think that a lot of the time people uh would would consider samo like uh i mean my my recollection at least growing up was people would like consider him almost like a novelty that was like oh yeah he's a little bigger but he can still move and that's that's cool i think you nailed it because people whenever they describe him describe him as, as like inherently goofy and not what he actually is which is artfully goofy yes yeah he's not just like you know like oh, i'm a clown and i'd like hop around and do antics or whatever his timing is like very precise he's the yeah. kind of person he <laughs> here's a, here's a time for a vanessa stretch okay um he reminds me a lot of fran drescher of somebody that like <laughs> you've, you've been watching a lot, of the, watching a lot of the nanny recently for context for listeners um, she's been watching a ton of the nanny on hbo max lately okay but somebody that's frequently brought up as like very goofy, but you never really see how skilled it is because of how effortless they make it seem. Right, right. Because yeah, they yeah. both also lean into like certain physical attributes that are easily written off as like slapstick or low hanging fruit. Right. Um, Samo with like being a bigger dude and Fran with having like that voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it becomes, like, the ticket as to, like, that, oh, that's what their whole shtick is. But uh, you don't see, like, the layer underneath it of, like, being so deeply self-aware, but also, like, 
spinning several plates when it comes to like managing physicality and comedy and timing. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think that for for Samo, uh, you know, I uh, like it's it's not to say that he hasn't like had an incredible career because obviously he has and he like, you know, has has directed and like choreographed, you know, a lot of things. Is revered like Oh yeah, absolutely. as he should. Uh, but like, it, you know, I, I always had this, uh, you know, kind of feeling like growing up that, you know, he was not as uh, like respected of a martial arts star in the West as, you know, as Jackie Chan was at the time. I think he does and dramatic better than Jackie. I think so, too, honestly. And I'll say it. I think he's a better heartthrob than Jackie because Jackie is so, so non-sexual in every in every role, he's yeah. just an action figure of a man. Older brother energy too. Yeah, like a lot of a lot of Jackie roles, even in like Hong Kong films, are very like. Okay, we've brought this up before. He thumbs up a lady way before he'd even like consider kissing her. Yeah, in a lot of movies. Um, and I don't know. Just there's something about samo that's very alluring yeah samo could sell i i don't know if it's just because i'm much more attracted to him but i'm like he can sell romance to me you know like i i buy him as as a hunk but this movie proves to me that he does dramatic extremely well because it it does give him some moments for that and it not not only does it feel earned it feels real yeah so the the uh, you know, premise of a uh, magnificent butcher, uh, Wing, uh, who is Samo's character, uh, Butcher Wing. He is uh, a butcher, although you don't see him doing a lot of butchering in the film. He's got some pigs. He's got he yeah he's he starts stuff with, with a couple of pigs. He does some stuff with some cleavers. Yeah, he is a uh, he's you know a, a local butcher who is uh, kind of kind of a smartass who seems to be you know getting into trouble on a somewhat regular basis. Uh, and he is also a student of the legendary uh, Wong Fei Hung. Comes up on this podcast a lot. Yeah, of course, you know, is uh, portrayed in a ton of martial arts movies. Uh, So he's a martial artist, and uh, something that I do like about this character a lot is that uh, he has this kind of, like, recurring bit in which, you know, he's a martial artist, he's a student of Wong Fei Hung, and he's like, yeah, I've... I got a heart full of justice and I got the the skills to back it up. So when I see somebody in trouble, like I'm going to, I'm going to jump out there and help him. But he like never asks enough questions. And so he keeps ending up just like attacking people that don't really deserve it because he thinks he's the good guy. Like he, he sees a man being chased and the guy who's chasing him is like thief. And so Samo jumps out and just beats the shit out of this much older man and the guy who was chasing him was like, wait, stop. You're going to kill my friend. We were playing chess and he stole one of the chess pieces. Like, I was just I was just joking. <laughs> He's not really a thief. Stop, stop. <laughs> He's already dead. Yeah, 100%. And he, like, does a few of these where he just, like, is so gung-ho to help somebody that he just uh, does absolutely the wrong thing. And... Uh, Meanwhile, his uh his younger brother, uh, who he hasn't seen in like over a decade, uh, comes to town looking for him, uh, and r- runs afoul of this other uh this this kind of like rival martial arts instructor to Wong Fei Hung, uh, 
who himself is not really villainous intrinsically. But his son's a real big dirtbag. His bag. son's a dirtbag. Uh, you called it out. It's got big John Wick energy where, like, there's the, you know, kind of old guard, like, boss. And then his scumbag, like, spoiled son that just goes around town wrecking shit. Taking what he wants no matter yeah. what the cost may be. Yeah. And so uh, Brother Wings, uh, or Butcher Wings, younger brother, uh, runs afoul of this dude's dirtbag son uh, who immediately kidnaps his wife and is just like, she's my wife now. I decided I wanted her. Yeah, because... Uh, After the, making him think that he was going to reunite him with his brother. Man, he's like, no, nah, instead your wife is my wife now. Uh, which I... I've, you know, I, I don't know how much of that is, like, uh, you know, fictionalized for the film or if there was a time when, like, if your kung fu was better, you're just like, nah, taking your wife. Yeah. And, like, no one could do anything. It's which means like, somebody can take me. Yeah, well... I mean, they'd have to have better uh, martial arts skills. So I'm like, you know, I'm like feeling relatively You're comfortable. feeling pretty good. I'm feeling all right. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, I'm like, there are people who can beat me in a fight. Yeah. But like, I think the the overlap of someone who's going to like come here to try to like take my wife and is also better at fighting, like, you know, the Venn diagram gets slimmer and slimmer. So like, I like our odds. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're doing okay. Take my wife. If you dare. If you dare. Yeah. That's the, that's the challenge uh, that this podcast is formally issuing <laughs> as of right now. So yeah, I guess what Elijah's saying is come to our house and try and kidnap me. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're issuing a formal challenge to all listeners of the podcast to come to our house right now. Or any time uh, of at, at your leisure, yeah. challenge me to a fist fight, and if your martial arts are better, uh, my my wife will become your wife. Cool. So uh, <laughs> he steals his wife. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, through a, a another like comedy of errors uh, series of butcher wing just beating the shit out of people before asking questions, Jesus. he ends up uh, beating up his younger brother. Uh, the younger brother is. Then he is manipulated into it though, by no, the sh- by the shithead. I mean, initially he just sees the younger brother beating up the shithead with a stick, and attacks him, and is like, "You're the aggressor. You must be the bad guy." And he's like, "No, that guy stole my wife." And he's like, oh, "Shut right. up, you!" And just beats the hell out of him, uh, not recognizing that it's his younger brother from you know a decade prior, because uh, they've both changed a lot. Uh, but the younger brother uh, is then uh, suicidal with grief, uh, having not found his brother uh, and also had his wife kidnapped on his first day in town. Uh, he is stopped from uh, killing himself by uh, a cool old kung fu master uh, who is, I, I believe, like the same actor playing the same character as in... Uh, Buddhist fist like a previous Yeon Wo Ping movie uh, but it's it's a guy who plays a mysterious old kung fu master very well uh, and is also a trope that you pointed out is uh, weirdly common in like Golden Harvest and Shaw Brothers films uh, which is that <laughs> he has a problem yeah that just being an alcoholic is intrinsically real funny <laughs> and so they, they get a lot of mileage of like slapstick comedy question mark out of his uh really uh like drink severe, until he passes out severe drinking problem yeah he is 
they ask him like the last time he showered and he's like oh, a long time ago and then just keeps drinking wine until he blacks out that's just how he gets to bed every night yeah like, but the way he gets wine is the way that guy gives people ice cream cones and turkey oh yeah yeah the like the tricky Less ice cream man light of hand where it's like yeah. oops now i've got your wine yeah like to- he'll propose a toast and then just drink everyone's wine at the table and everyone's like oh you and it's like he has a problem although he did shenanigans a man out of suicide yeah which by the way i know th- it's done for like slapstick it's like very much a, a comedic moment uh of just like goofiness where he comes in and it's just like haha i'm clowning but it's weirdly and i think very much unintentionally uh like not a bad portrayal of like talking someone down from a ledge or like getting someone to not kill themselves he comes off very calm yeah like so the the guy's like tying a noose and about to he's like standing on a chair he is about to hang himself and this beggar comes in and is just like, hey, hey, man, is it cool if I use your bathroom? Like, you're going to be dead, right? You won't need it. Like, it's cool if I just use can it. I, can I make a chicken in your kitchen? And he's like, yeah, I, f- I fucking guess. And he's like, yeah, because you're going to be gone soon, right? So, like, you won't care? And he's like, sure, man, whatever. Yeah, just, like, leave me alone. And then he starts going through his fucking pockets. And he's like, yeah, come on, give me your money. You're not going to spend it, dude. You're killing yourself. Just give me your money. And he's like, right, okay. And then he, like takes his shirt and pants and he's like i think these will fit me like it would be a waste on you You, you're not gonna use it right and like keeps getting increasingly like goofy and invading his personal space until he's like hey give me that rope you're gonna use that rope you're gonna be dead right that's my rope now and takes it from him and then before the dude can even really protest he's like help me cook this chicken (laughs) and he's just like light that fire over there help me cook this chicken and there's something about him distracting activities yeah like i i think you know because uh most of the time when you get to that point that you were like right up at that ledge and you're uh contemplating uh self-destruction uh it is you know often the product of like uh cyclical thoughts and you feel very like stuck in that and sometimes literally just like a forcible distraction to pull you out of that like that one moment of you know being about to jump from a ledge that you've you've been on uh sometimes that's all you need you know sometimes in that moment someone just being like no 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 we're gonna cook a chicken look at this light this fire and kind of just not giving you an option uh he like like low-key just like de-escalates by bullying him into cooking dinner with him but it yeah it engages his other senses it you know pulls him out of that uh, cyclical thought in his head and by the end of the night he's talking and he's like yeah man life is bad this guy's got my wife there's nothing i can do but uh you know then they find uh alternate solutions which is uh the, the, the drunk guy go kick his ass yeah he's very good at kung fu so he's just like oh, i'll go beat him up which leads uh, to an amazing scene that like as soon as i see how like agile and acrobatic he is you're immediately like well can't wait to see that next to samo yeah no it's true and like the the two of them uh have like a a fantastic fight uh in a in a restaurant where the the dirtbag son with the kidnapped wife uh is just very easily manipulating samo by just being like yeah these guys are trying to uh kidnap my wife you better uh beat them up for me so samo fights the uh the old beggar and they have a really great fight in the restaurant uh in which both of samo's eyes get gouged and like they 
uh, do a lot of really fun like prop work with the tables and stuff. Uh, just uh, very, very rad. Oh, also, uh, there's a there's a set piece where like the other the rival uh, martial arts master challenges uh, Wong Fei Hung, uh, but not initially to like a direct fight. They're like uh, doing calligraphy together. And there are a few moments like that that are examples of like this very particular style of like Yuan Wuping choreography. Everything's uh, a fight. Yeah, where it's like doing an action that is not explicitly martial arts, but making it martial arts. Uh, and I I love that. Uh, yeah, the the set pieces, the choreo, uh, just fantastic in this film. Uh, eventually, uh, Samo gets on on the right side of uh, what's happening. But which you've been dying for because like all of the choreo that's now being introduced through this new master style, you're like, yes, mush it with Samo. Yeah, yeah. And so they they eventually team up. Uh, they go to rescue the wife, and then Samo sees another woman there and is like, yeah, you, we're rescuing you too. And she's like, wait, no. And then Samo <laughs> takes her anyways, effectively kidnapping her. Uh, because that's that's his style to just uh, do stuff first, just, ask questions later. Yeah, kick down doors, never ask questions. And so, uh, you know, without realizing it, he has uh, effectively kidnapped the goddaughter of uh, this this rival martial arts instructor, who is the master of the cosmic palm. Uh, and that dude's dirtbag son uh, shows up at Samo's house, ends up uh, killing the uh, the goddaughter because he's just a real piece of shit. A real piece of shit. Yeah. And in a moment that honestly just becomes a horror movie. Yeah, full on. It is. It is a horrific scene. It is a horrific scene, and even the way she's found in like first person. Yeah. Um. It it like extends into where that entire middle really does just feel like a horror movie. Yeah. Like for for about ten minutes in the middle there it just becomes like the german horror film angst uh, uh and like yeah samo comes back to his place like stumbling and drunk and lays down in the bed not realizing that there's a corpse next to him uh, which is also just super disturbing uh yeah samo uh gets blamed for uh having killed the the goddaughter of this martial arts master the master of the cosmic palm uh and his dirtbag son uh, really just goes on a tear because uh, someone uh, like a night watchman knows that he committed the murder. So he murders the night watchman, but then Samo's brother also learns it. So he murders Samo's brother. No! Uh, yeah, he kills his, kills his little brother, which is a shame because they're very cute together. They like when they when they finally reconnect and discover that they're brothers. And they have like, those familial moments. They're really yeah. lovely. He's like, remember I used to slap you on the head like this? Uh, but yeah, so he, he stabs Samo's brother. Uh, and he has this like great emotional reckoning where he's just like, all right, no more goofy Samo. Yeah, Samo beats the shit out of this dude. Like that fight scene. And it's great too, because it is a very, it's, it is very cathartic in that kind of like John Wick way where like they have made it clear that this kid doesn't actually like know how to fight. Like he's not a strong enemy for Samo. So Samo's just fucking wrecking him. He like, picks him up and like throws him overhand through a through a door but he like he throws him like a like a baseball like he lifts him all the way over his head and just chucks him to the ground uh and then eventually uh clocks him on the head with a uh, the funeral tablet yeah yeah and uh and and puts him down 
and then the martial arts master who still like does not know uh, what a dirtbag his son was is just like you've killed my son and my goddaughter uh, Samo keeps you know trying to explain like no no I didn't kill her your son did and then he killed my brother so then I killed him but uh, at this point you know this dude has lost everything he's lost you know effectively his son and his daughter he is not listening to reason he's just grieving yeah um, he's not really the villain here yeah he's he's kind of just a tragic dude who had a shitbag son uh and uh things went real poorly for him so he uh it, it is great there's just such a weird disparity between like what is happening for him and what is happening for Samo. i think because Samo like they're not even close to being on the same page no and like Samo, of course is mourning the loss of his brother but also uh you know i think there's there's an element of like they haven't seen each other or spoken in like over a decade uh, but also, like, he avenged him, you know? He's like, all right, his spirit can rest easy. I, I've gotten my revenge. I'm ready to, like... I hit your son in the head so hard. He yeah, I just clocked him in the and forehead died. so hard that he died. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's just like, he's he's ready to call it a day. And this other dude is like, I've lost everything, and I'm going to beat you to death in the street with my hands. And Samuel's like, come on, guy. Like, you, you don't got to do that. And, like, I, I really love the disparity between this this haunted man who really does, like, just look disheveled in that last fight and Samo, who's still just kind of goofing, you know, who's just like, nah, we, we don't got to be doing all this. Uh, but they have an incredible last fight. Uh, really quite quite something to marvel yeah, at. Yeah, like super, again, like acrobatic, but just like very great, like classic, like martial arts choreography uh, in which Samo fucking breaks both of this dude's arms, uh, just uh, really picks him apart. And then it's like, all right, everybody, that's the end. Like in a very, uh, you know, Golden Harvest martial arts movie kind of way where the guy who is demanding a fight to the death is not killed, but is just kind of like embarrassed and his sleeve is torn. And then uh, Samo hangs up the new sign for their martial arts school, but he hung it upside down and that's wacky. And then Wong Fei Hong's like, you, why I ought one to... of these days, yeah. butcher. <laughs> like that's, and that's Bang, it. zoom, <laughs> straight to the moon. And, like, meanwhile, this dude is still just standing there with two like completely destroyed arms. Like his, his wrists, elbows, and shoulders have been broken or dislocated. So like he's never going to practice martial arts again. He mentions in the beginning that he spent 30 years mastering the cosmic palm. So like... His entire adult life has been dedicated to martial arts. He's never going to be able to do it again. His son and his daughter are both dead. And, like, as far as he knows or believes, this dude killed his son and daughter with his bare hands, then broke his arms, left him like a shell of a man, and was like, ho, 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 back to school. <laughs> like, this is a horror movie for that guy. Yeah, that dude's perspective. This is the the bleakest story of all time. The bad guy just won and got away with it. And everyone was like, oh, Butcher. Oh, you. Classic Butcher wing. And he's just like, I can't even get revenge. I, I don't have arms anymore. <laughs> so pretty, pretty great ending. <laughs> pretty great ending to a pretty great movie. Uh, this was actually my first viewing of Magnus Magnificent Butcher, and I adored it. Um, obviously it's a Samo Hung movie. Um, yeah. but yeah, there was something about the choreo of this one that made some of these moments like feel larger than life. Um, and there, I did have my like 
Would you my, say it felt magnificent? It felt magnificent. I'd say my main issue was, um, like, obviously that character was killed for, like, the framing, but she was so interesting that I really wish I had it longer. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, it's a very, like, frustrating scene, uh, you know, for, for a lot of reasons, uh, because obviously it's uh, just a, a shit trope to, you know, have the, uh, like, have a woman uh, assaulted and murdered uh, for plot development uh, for the men. Uh, but it also, yeah, is, like, doubly frustrating because, like, that character was immediately, like, tearing up the screen you're immediately just like yes she's great i want to know everything about her she rescues a stranger but then like fucks with this other dude for talking over her incessantly yeah like she's she's very interesting and like you get a little bit of her internal monologue as well i liked her a lot and i like wished i had a little bit more of her um and like besides that main criticism i did really enjoy magnificent butcher yeah it's it's a good movie it's a good movie so how do you take that and and what do you pair with with pig carcasses and 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 family and <clears throat> screaming <laughs> and screaming and a butcher and a butcher and I uh and 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 death by striking swiftly with a blow to the head wow what what could you possibly be uh referencing here could it be a movie that I teased earlier that I thought we were going to talk about first? Maybe. For the pairing I chose with The Magnificent Butcher, we're going with... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, baby. Um, thrilled we're finally talking about it, considering we've done the third movie. Yeah. Have we done the second one yet? Not yet. Kay. Which we should, considering that was my first exposure to to it through the wax museum as i've recently learned because yeah, i thought it was the first one in there and it was actually the second one no, second yeah. one rules it's got a good chainsaw fight yeah, um, it does. i love a chainsaw fight i love a chainsaw fight tiger on beat mandy some dennis hopper yeah um but yeah the first one just a just an undisputed classic uh F- i adore this movie i i have so much like affection for texas chainsaw massacre um both for like the way it makes me feel but you and i were having this conversation recently where like sometimes things get written off for being amazing because it's just like well everybody says it is and then it's like well the inverse is that everybody says it is because right because it is amazing (laughs) yeah um texas chainsaw is absolutely one of those things that is just like exactly as good as its legacy would lead you to believe like it is so deserving of every good thing that everyone's ever said about it it's one of those like also just a lot of magic together happens because of the castings as well where it's that like magical lightning in a bottle where you have the environment that it was so hot and sweaty and impressive that it like translates to the audience really well. And then you have this like truly outstanding cinematography uh, in, in a way that like there's so many different images from like the opening corpses in the, in the graveyard that you're like, this is a monumental image. This yeah. is, this is going to be the thing that like shows up somewhere else as like an example of something like, you know, it just, it's so immediately striking that you're like, this is forever now. 
Yeah. And uh, then then you also have like the phenomenal castings when it comes to Sally, who has an exhausting extended performance. Like yeah. <laughs> like when I I can't think of because there's been many instances, but just like the amount of heightened intense performance she's giving for the whole movie for like that from middle to end it's yeah it's nonstop. no it's true like from from the scene at the van of like give me the flashlight we need to go find them to like literally the last frames of the film marilyn she is, burns is giving everything yeah she's at 11 which is amazing because like every time i watch it i forget how much i dislike sally for the first half of the movie but I kind of dislike all of them for the first half of the movie, except for uh, except for the brother, um, Frank? um Franklin. Franklin. Uh, Franklin. I adore Franklin. Um, I don't know. It, just he's a he's a lovely little weirdo with a pocket knife that likes to talk about head cheese. Yeah. Um. I I adore Franklin, and a lot of the time, just like yo, Franklin deserved better. Right. Uh, <laughs> like the people around Franklin are awful. Um. And. Like, but the thing is, something about their dynamic is also familiar, where we've all known or been that person that's just like, all right, I guess I'm odd one out for for this one. Yeah. And I think that's why it makes the Franklin kill so like, oh my God, I didn't know it was going to be this fast uh, the first yeah. time you watch it. Like, you really think you're going to get more time with him because of his relationship with Sally and how, like, even though he keeps left being left out because he's, like, in a wheelchair, he's like, I'm going to follow you. I'll be with you. You can't be alone. So it makes his, like, immediate swift and horrifying death. Like, it, it really does, especially for somebody, like, watching it for the first time, shake you to your core. Yeah. <laughs> more so than everybody else dying because, like, their dispatches are also, like pretty aggressive and immediate right but like they they tend to feel like a little more expendable i'm like i don't remember the other characters names you know like you remember franklin and you remember like you remember sally but you expect franklin to make it to the end with sally because he's like kind of set up in that way that yeah like, like he's kind of the protagonist for the first like two thirds of the film, I would say. She's we spend... mostly griping about Sally, and and we spend all that time with him with the initial hitchhiker scene. Yeah, and then even like after, uh, should we should we just go chronologically? I'm like realizing we that can, I'm like there's so much that I want to talk are, you've about. Seen like, this already? Yeah, like hopefully you've seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If you haven't, uh, go watch Texas yes. Chainsaw Massacre, friends. Please <laughs> go watch it. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to tell you. It's a it's a absolute gem. Like you've certainly heard by now that it's a good film. <laughs> um, but yeah, initially they're driving through the countryside, and there's been uh, uh, reports of vandalism and grave robbing, and they're checking to make sure that their uh, grandfather's grave wasn't desecrated. I'm sorry, I've been trying to fight a hiccup like the whole time. You can't fight a hiccup. You got to just let it out. Instead, I almost barfed on the microphone. Anyways, that, that'll happen. That's why you can't fight a hiccup. Uh, they decide to pick up a hitchhiker, uh, which famously goes well in horror movies. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, I've picked up so many hitchhikers and uh, never, never had a bad experience. I when I used to hitchhike a lot, and I had a couple of bad experiences when I was the hitchhiker. Uh, but you know, not not terrible i didn't get murdered uh but yeah i've never picked up a hitchhiker and had a bad experience they're always like very 
you know they're the fine. one time i picked one up in a truck uh he asked me what are you and i was like <laughs> oh no <laughs> you only ask me that if you want to fuck me or fight me yeah, um there's no there's <laughs> no good resolution to no, that no. <laughs> now anytime somebody asks me that i'm like no uh <laughs> i don't feel like playing if that's yeah. even uh a, a thing because there's Unless you're, like, somebody else that's, like, also ethnically ambiguous. I'm like, I know why you're asking. Right, right. Uh, but anyone else, I'm just like, ha, 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 no, please. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it, you, it, you get that initial moment with the hitchhiker. And I feel like any other movie would have been, like, he's just a weirdo for the sake of being a weirdo. Um, but it does this thing that we've talked about before where it's, like, a character that lives with, like, a different set of rules where it's like he's just going through all of the interactions that he has with strangers in his head that's like this is what you do with people you don't know. Yeah, like it does, it, weirdly, like despite the fact that he is so like deranged and so like removed from reality, and I feel like this is this is true of like the entire, uh, like the family, like all of the antagonists of the film, uh, it does feel like there is thought given to like this internal set of logic that he operates yeah. under. Like he, like, you know, he does not speak the same language. He does not have the same set of rules or morals, but like he does have a language. He does have a set of rules and morals. Like there is, you know, some kind of like reason or logic happening in his head. And like you, you get the sense of that. You're like, oh no, there's like motive for this. He's not being weird for the sake of weird, but like, I also don't understand it. <laughs> You know, yeah. which which is a really hard line to walk, but I I think this this film does it better than like just about anything, honestly. And yeah, that that first uh, hitchhiker interaction in which he sees Franklin's knife and he's like, "Oh, let me see that," and then slices his hand open, takes a photo of them, uh, which is great because he shows them that he carries around Polaroids of like butchered meat. And then he's like, let me take a picture of you guys, which is like a fantastic piece of foreshadowing. Amazing. But he's like, yeah, these are all the photos that I have. They're all butchered carcasses. Let me take your photo. Uh, and then does the thing that uh, is like a like common like busker, or like panhandler move to like take a photo and then be like, cool, pay me for the photo. Uh, and, and they say no. So he then sets the photo on fire in the back of the van. But we, he like puts it in a little piece of tinfoil. He's, like, ready to burn this photo. He carries these little, like, tools and accoutrement yeah. with him. And his uh, stuffed little fur. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, they, they you know, get him out of the van, and he... After with, he cuts oh, Franklin... Oh, that's right. He pulls out a straight razor. With a straight razor. Yeah, cuts Franklin's arm, and then... After uh, Franklin's already fucking fallen down a hill. What a day Franklin's yeah, had. Yeah, Franklin has a rough time on this trip. Uh, but, yeah, then he smears his blood on the outside of their van and creates, like, a cryptic symbol that is, like, clearly a marking of some kind on their van. Uh, but something that I love about this is, like, after this interaction... Franklin is kind of stuck on it, which makes sense because it was like a deeply traumatic event for Franklin in which a stranger like, you know, cut himself and then cut Franklin and like. And everybody's just like, Franklin's just being such a bummer. Yeah. They're like, come on, get over it already. And it's like, I don't know, dude, I'm like literally still bleeding from this dude attacking me moments ago. Uh, but he's, you know, kind of kind of hung up on it and he keeps like looking at like the the marking on the van. He's like, what do you think it means? Do you think he's going to, like, come back? And it's, like, clearly he's, you know, suffering from, like, a traumatic incident and is stressed about it. 
But something that I love about the character is that he keeps like voicing insecurity in those moments. He's like, do you think I said something that made him mad? And it's like kind of asking like, like, do you think it was my fault? And even talks about like the, the way the guy cut himself. And he's like, I don't even think I could do that. Like, what does it take to be able to just hurt yourself like that? And he's so much more like empathetic with this dude who just attacked him than uh, like any character is with anyone else in the movie. It's really easy to fall in love with Franklin. Yeah. Cause he's like, he he's a noticer and I love noticers Yeah, because they're so down to be quiet and like, take in what's happening around them over then like I, I I need to be the one that's like constantly dominating the conversation he's just like I want to put all the pieces together yeah he he's down to like quietly observe and just like the amount of like empathy that he extends to a dude who literally attacked him with a straight razor but he's just kind of like you know like what was going on in his head did I say something that upset him even like not that he believes that that would necessarily be a proportionate response, but just kind of like, ah, like, you know, maybe maybe I had some role to play in this. Maybe I, like, made him feel threatened or insecure or something. And they're all just like, shut up, Franklin. <laughs> like, we're here to party. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they they end up uh, going to uh, this the, the, the old uh, abandoned house that used to belong to uh, their grandfather. Yeah, and I guess now is like in their father's name, but it's just like an empty house. Uh, and somehow kids keep wandering into the neighbor's house. <laughs> this is something that the I forget. The family has to do so little hunting for most of the I movie. I was going to say, this is something that I forget about the first film that like several of the murders are justifiable like several of the murders like wouldn't even be against the law in like the state of colorado because like a stranger has walked into your house and like the charged in yeah the first kid literally he's like banging on the door and no one answers and he's like all right i'm gonna go in there and wander around and leatherface hits him in the head with a hammer and like amazing kill by the oh, way incredible because kill. since it happens in that wide and you're not like up close to it you're so like taken aback by how fast it happens like the immediate like whack and the flailing that they were talking yeah. about that happens Which is after so death and then like effortlessly picks up his body throws it and slams that door and it very much like tells the audience like you're not getting the build up yeah, and and something I love about it too is like the first one to go is the the kid who looks kind of like the like the tough kid. You know, he looks like the strongest and coolest, and he's like, you know, got the big like swagger when he walks, and he, you know, I think like kind of is the the de facto leader of the group. He's the you know the the reason anyone is uh, going to this neighbor's house because he's like, oh, I'm going to go find gas. I'm going to walk over there and ask to buy gas from him. I'll trade him my guitar. Uh, but it's, it's such a good way to kind of set the curve that the one who looks the most, like he might be able to like fight or defend himself is unceremoniously killed with a swing of a hammer that it's just like thump your meat. And that's, and that's it. Uh, but yeah, also having said that, uh, if I walked out of my bedroom and there was a strange dude in the living room that I did not invite into my house, absolutely I'm going to hit him in the head with a hammer. Stop, it's hammer time. I'm like, for sure going to kill that dude with a hammer. Like, that's the... Leatherface did nothing wrong in this instance. He was fully justified in doing this. I, I Now think... chasing after Pam to drag her back in. 
Right. Well, again, though, she does go into the house uninvited. Uh, the first <laughs> three victims all break into the house. Like the first she three even victims. He has like a little conniption after killing Jerry. Yeah. Where he's like, how the fuck are all these people getting he, in? Like, he looks out the window like, are there more of them? <laughs> like, what is happening? People keep showing up at my house and it's stressing me out. But like literally the first person that he kills that I think does not like that that is not like a legal murder is is franklin franklin's the first person who dies that is not actively trespassing in like on private property in his home that is just like charging in and like for all which by the way the set dressing for that house um, it's beautiful it's just oppressive and awful and smelly and just heinous have you have you in your life like been in a house that that looks and feels and presumably smells like that because i have a few times and there like there are times that i've like been to a house and been like oh this is a texas chainsaw massacre house and more and more like as i've as i've been to places like that when i revisit this film it feels so much less like you know like oh like creepy monster house and more just like no, this is a real place that exists all over, like, the. I mean, you know, all over the country, but probably the world. Like, there are many houses that look and feel like this, and that kind of just makes it more upsetting to me. That like, Yeah, there'd be a few places I'd go to in Texas where I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's just a cluster of rabbits on in your sink. Uh, yeah. In, in, your, in your sink uh, the, the next weird... to a bunch of kids, just a, a lot of... A lot of energy drinks and... Uh, and just, like, scraps of, like, you know, like, broken things that look like they're, like, halfway to being repaired. Or, like, you know, you took something apart and never put it back together again. And it's just that kind of, like, uh, yeah, just living... Like uh, a nest. Mess. Yeah, like a nest. There was a, a, t- a time my brother and I were uh, at, a, at a, a Denny's late night... And uh, Joe, my brother, was talking about playing music, and a guy overheard him and was like, oh, I got this mixer I'm trying to get rid of. If you want it, you can just come pick it up. It's free. And Joe was like, okay, and then went to this dude's house at like 2 a.m. to go get a free mixer. And it was so much a Texas Chainsaw Massacre house. (laughs) And I I don't know why Joe makes these decisions, but he he just does. Uh, anyways, no one got murdered. It was fine. Uh, that's that's would, my barometer. We, we weren't murdered. Um, by the way, very th- thrilled to see that it is coming back as a Halloween Horror Nights uh, maze. Oh, uh, that's very cool. I, I used to go at the permanent installation that they had, which was uh, just like a bunch of universal monsters in a maze. So it was just like, um, but also like Leatherface and other like universal oh, properties. Cool. So you'd like go through the Wolfman and then you'd go through like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We were actually uh, in trouble there because my dad scared the Wolfman. Um, he scared the Wolfman? Yep. My uh, dad saw that there's a hidden staircase behind the set because we we're keeping close to a wall. And he saw one of the Wolfmen coming down, mm-hmm. presumably into a shift. And my dad hid into the staircase and went... <laughs> uh, and uh, then the wolfman went, yelled, who the fuck was that? And I quickly hustled my dad out of there. 
Um, pretty good. Because he's a big doofus. <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty good. He's wolf the wolfman. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah. So, so people keep wandering into the house and getting murdered. Uh, eventually, it's just Sally and Franklin left. And Franklin has the wise idea to stay with the thing with the headlights that makes sound. Yeah. Um, because typically, if somebody's lost and you go looking for them without knowing where you are, now everyone's lost. Right. Then you just have two groups of people who are lost. Um, but, uh, Frankie, Frankie, um, Sally is in such a panic that she's just not listening to reason. Yeah. And like physically wrestles the, the flashlight from him and, you know, it's like, no, I'm going. Uh, but, uh, Franklin, good dude that he is, is like, all right, I'll go with you. And she even like tries to say like, no, I can't push you down there in your chair. And he's like, no, it's fine. I'm going to go with you anyways. (laughs) Because uh, he's a much better better brother than she is sister, honestly. Deeply so. And, like, all of that and that initial struggle and how much Franklin is, like, trying to be there for Sally makes that, like, quick chainsaw kill. Like, I jump every time and I know it's coming. Yeah. No, it's it's an upsetting one where Leatherface just pops out and gets him. And something about for, like, the audience, too, is it, like, sets the pulse for the rest of it. Because right. for now you've been watching like you know, it, it it's been a Venus flytrap and then it just became a pursuit. Yeah, yeah. Because you also haven't really seen like what he could do outside of the house and like how long he's willing to chase something down. The furthest he chased something was Pam like halfway out the door and wrestled her back in. But it's mostly been things inside the house. Right. But they were so noisy and disruptive and like you you know he came out so hot that like as soon as sally starts that sprint it is that energy increasing until the end of the movie yeah it just keeps absolutely folding on itself and just doubling and doubling for the rest of the movie because like when have you ever seen somebody run and scream that long no right and it it also is one of the few instances of like that that much uh like aggressive assault on the senses uh where i'm still on board uh and and this is maybe true of like a lot of the film because you know there's not uh really like much of a soundtrack it's a lot of just like uh ambient and abrasive sounds and like you know it opens with like uh really fantastic uh corpses god i love a text scroll too oh yeah great text scroll but like even yeah like the text scroll and the credits are like kind of uh like aggressive and then you know it like after it shows you some like really great uh you know rotting corpses you get like a roadkill armadillo and like a super close-up and the whole movie is just like yeah hot and and aggressive and full of uh, bugs and and cartoon stink lines and the whole thing is yeah just like assaulting to your senses but somehow it never uh like overstays its welcome i guess and even yeah. at, like you know the most like noisy and boisterous and like uh yeah just like several minutes at a time of screaming and chainsaw sound uh it never uh, to me at least is like exhausting you know it never hits a point where i'm just like all right like come on do the next thing already and i feel like other I'm horror movies Sally. yeah no exactly it keeps up the tension and it keeps me just like on board the entire time and it's a movie as that he gets closer as she gets caught in branches as she jumps out a window like yeah. it, it knows exactly when to like give her a second arrest and then go yeah and then of course she uh she makes it to the uh the gas station they stopped at earlier 
uh, only to learn that the uh, the attendant is uh, also uh, part of the family, yeah, baby. He's part of the family, uh, which his a. Uh, his character i love uh he's like the the dad uh i he's he's the dad right it's he's like a kinda, father figure he's like because like they all say grandpa leader. yeah so i'm not sure if he's like the oldest of three brothers or if he is like the father i always like perceive him as a dad uh and i just realized that i've never actually like known for sure if he's like leatherface's dad um but yeah he uh, fantastic characters. Something that uh, he does when he's like driving Sally back to the house is he keeps like jabbing her with a stick. Uh, he has her like in a burlap sack uh, in the passenger seat, and he keeps saying like comforting things like, "Hey, hey, like you know, it's 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 gonna be all right. Come on, settle down, settle down. It's gonna be all right." And then he'll jab her really aggressively with a stick and go, "Ha ha ha ha." It's going to be all right, though. It's going to be all right. And he keeps, like, comforting and reassuring her and then, like, physically assaulting her His own inner conflict is fascinating because he's, like, later on, he's, like, I don't tolerate the actual, like, killing process of it. Yeah, I don't take joy like, in it. But then he's, like, yeah, like, once it's happening. Yeah, and so, like, you can see him, like, trying so hard to, like, wear this human suit. He's trying so hard to, like, be a regular human being almost for him yeah no absolutely that it's it's not like a disguise that he I, you know i mean it is because he runs a gas station too and has to interact with strangers but like it's not just the mask that he wears to like get away with it quote unquote it's like he is trying to be a person who doesn't find joy in this he is trying to be a person who doesn't want to like pull human beings apart but like that is just below the surface like just dying to be fed like that part of him is just like so uh, just hungry for uh cruelty and and violence and so you see him doing that awkward like stilted laugh because he like whenever he is uh enacting violence you know towards sally he does that like ha ha kind of thing and then tries to get himself under control and yeah just fascinating character and the fact that he's not even like the main antagonist you know he's not even in something leather that leatherface exists yeah in, who has a literal costume change yes <laughs> which i love and and you know of course the the hitchhiker from earlier comes back and is leatherface's brother um and yeah he's a uh, the Gas station attendant feels like, yeah, he's he's the dad because he refers to Leatherface as your brother. He's like, you're not supposed to leave your brother home mm -hmm. alone. Uh, and something that I always uh, find interesting is that for as much as like Leatherface is like this, you know, hulking dude with a chainsaw who wears a mask of human flesh and is just like a terrifying figure, uh, he's, he's so afraid of the dad. You know, the dad shows up and like, smacks at yeah. him and he's just like oh oh sorry and uh i don't know why that's like the scariest moment or like the scariest thing to me it's just that like you know you see that scene and you're just like oh dad's <laughs> like i just maybe, i mean <laughs> I, I don't know why like that's the thing that gets me that i'm just like you know even even leather faces like please don't hit me dad um it's just i i don't know dad's Dads are more frightening to me than Leatherface is, I'm learning. Oh, pumpkin. Um, but, yeah. The That's because you've never met either. 
That's true. <laughs> Look, only only one of those two things has hurt me in real life. If anything, Leatherface has been there for you more. It's true. Leatherface has been there for, for me way more than uh my my terrible father. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the family dynamic of like yeah, the dad being uh you know uh, that they kind of cower before him but then the the hitchhiker being like no we do all the work you're just a cook you're just a cook uh the everything about them is fascinating and i think that i like or the mocking of her whales yeah god okay the the dinner table scene which is one of i mean it's i mean for sure my favorite scene scene. in the movie but it's yeah it's like one of the most iconic scenes in horror like i the number of times i like i have referenced it but also like uh calver uh resident evil 7 i mean like it, everything does that dinner table scene everything wants to do that dinner table scene because i don't know there's something about the way it makes you feel the first time you see it where you're like oh i never really get to have this it is it is deranged in a way that is so uh so specific and hard to capture like it, and the shots of like sally's eyes and the fact that she's like she may be bound and gagged, but she's still as heightened as she's been. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. When they're like mocking her screams, that scene of her like screaming and they all start yeah, making fun of her. But then it just kind of becomes this howl. Like they're all just like howling together in this really like animalistic way. Uh, It like almost, yeah, feeds back into that idea of just like the things that they do make sense to them, but I could never comprehend it and it is yes so jarring and i think also a great way to sell immediately that like the screaming isn't going to help you no one can hear this like they they're not at all concerned about the sound that you make and that is such a such a hopeless and immediately like terrifying like sinking feeling of you know like no one stops her from screaming they encourage it and they scream louder and it's like oh like no help is coming. This this is it. It's, it's just you. it's just me and the people at this table. Uh and and yeah, their their grandpa who is a, a thousand years old and looks You think too... he's a corpse the whole time. Yeah. And, and then... that scene fucked me up the first time I saw it. Yeah. It got me real bad. Um so I've described this sensation to you before, but when something is so intense you can't make sound anymore. Yeah, um, it usually exists in fear and orgasms or pain. Um, yeah. I've I've had every version of the three where it's like so intense you can't make sound. Like I remember getting hurt one time and like wanting to scream and I couldn't, and I was like, I'm hurt. Damn. Um, like th- the thing in your brain where it's just like I can't even respond. I <laughs> I have no sound. Um, or like I've been so scared before that I like could not scream. I couldn't yeah. figure out how to scream. And so the fact that you think he's dead the whole time and then they cut her finger and he starts like suckling S- on slurping it. Slurping up the blood, yeah. Like like a like an infant like uh-huh. nursing. Like the way Sally goes from like screaming to like wide eyed, frozen, silent terror. Like the fact that this is the first time she doesn't scream, yeah, and she's just like stuck. She's she just has to let. She's just experiencing it. Um, it's I don't know. It's it's so well portrayed as like when your senses are so 
overloaded with something it doesn't want that your body just doesn't know what to do and it yeah. just freezes no and yeah the entire like yeah dinner scene like everything that happens once sally is in the house and like the whole family is together uh feels like it just like yeah still to this day is like one of the most perfect distillations of that feeling of just like overwhelming fear and uh yeah something something that i like you know kind of i i think not forget necessarily but like take for granted is that uh by the time you know i was watching texas chainsaw massacre for the first time uh it already had sequels and it was you know i'm like <laughs> watching it on vhs at home with like my mom and my sister and they're like oh yeah this is leatherface he's cool and i like you know watch the first three back to back to back and i'm like i like the third one or whatever and i i kind of take for granted that like at the time that this came out like you know this this was the only uh like leatherface mythos this was like all of the this canon is the start yeah and like the the fact that there was no you know there's no origin you don't know anything else about this family than what there is like that is so much more horrifying honestly like this film on its own in a vacuum as it would have been you know viewed in 1974 is fucked up in a way that like adding sequels and like mythology and stuff kind of takes away from but like yeah just having like that family and you don't there's no tragic origin you don't get the like how did leatherface become leatherface or like why do they do what they do it's just like you're sally at that table yeah and i mean even like the even i love the sequels same right no i mean like three is my favorite in the series but like as far as just being horror like yeah you're sally at the table you know as much as the character does you are just horrified by like this this array of madness in front of you and it's not uh it's a portrayal of madness that doesn't ever feel uh like i don't know not real i guess it's never corny it's never unearned it's Mm. never um done for the sake of it like there's there's a there's a logic behind it all like there's their own rules that they adhere to and their own rules that they decide to break uh and that's how they break them and i can't imagine like being alive in the 70s and hearing those sounds coming out of a movie theater (laughs) and just chainsaw and scream and just being like hey what's going on in there right (laughs) no it's the sort of thing that like if you if you hear about it or you hear someone describe it and it's like you know that kind of like urban legend type like gossip that you overhear it sounds like so impossibly disturbing and then you watch it and you're like oh no it's just disturbing it really is uh god yeah and like all of the you know i i know it was like uh you know obviously like inspired by uh ed gein uh, but all of the like furniture and things that they have made out of like bones and skin and like the you know lampshade that's clearly le- clearly made from a face and uh, you know Leatherface wearing the mask, uh, it's uh, again like none of it is over explained. You know, it's all just kind of ambient in the house that it's like oh they just like play with the bodies. They just make like weird arts and crafts projects out of like parts of people. And that's that's so upsetting. That's so horrifying. And it's 
the fact that it's like a like ancillary to what's happening that it's just you know periphery to the the horror that the characters are facing uh is just brilliant and yeah yeah, like uh, you know i i know that for a while it was like marketed as like based on a true story (laughs) and yeah of course we like you know like laugh at it we laugh that shit up yeah we like uh, and you know talking about it in uh fucking 2021 it's like you you kind of giggle and you're like oh yeah based on a true story the way you do but i like you know imagine seeing this and like a pre-internet time and just going into a theater and seeing this like it feels real and it feels lived in in a way that you're like yeah okay that probably is a case that happened in Texas that I never heard about because, like, this is fucked up. Yeah. And, like, this might be... Is this my favorite horror ending? Uh, Oh, my God, the ending. I'm wondering, because I can't really think of anything. There's a lot of ones that I love, but, like, I don't know. I've gotten this with, like, other pieces of media where I get, like, kind of emotional, not because, like, the thing in itself uh is is like a tearjerker so to speak right. um but just that i like get to see something like that yeah that like that just like exists and i'm alive to see it um cuz i know i'm a very emotional person but it's also like kind of there's like this poetic kinetic energy to everything like it the way everything just kind of like <laughs> And, and tumbles out into spectacle is incredible yeah do you do you want to describe the uh the the ending the the scene that uh you you are describing well yeah because like or they basically are like let's have grandpa kill sally because they've also been talking about like how amazing it was back in the heyday the thoughts rushed in their mind so they want him to do it and he keeps struggling but he also like keeps accidentally hitting her in a way that's like it it really just makes you squirm right, because instead of killing like, her, kind of he's just, just like injuring her. A hammer on her head over and over, so it's just the weight of the hammer hitting her, and so it's yeah, like she's still conscious, but she's like just getting little chunks of scalp busted off. As everyone's just like, "Come on, Grandpa, just hold the hammer," and like she again hasn't stopped fighting for her life for one second. There's never been a moment of give up in Sally at any point. Sally is not fucking dying today. She has no intentions to die today. Which, like, honestly, like, at that table, I'm like, I'm done. Fucking kill me. Yeah, I'm immediately just like, yeah, dude, hit me with a hammer. I'll headbutt a cleaver if you don't do it for me. Right. And, like, at no point is she, like, accepting defeat ever. Like, she is constantly flailing and struggling and like looking for an opening to live yeah. and she sees it and makes a break for it and she's hobbling and the fact that the hitchhiker brother is so close to her the whole time in the chase it never even feels like a clean getaway so there's no moment of like oh maybe he might get her you're like you, it truly can go in either direction. Right. Because um, he's so close behind her, and then Leatherface is close behind them. And the second they get to the open road, you're like, where the hell is she even going to go? And you have that moment with the truck comes in, when the truck comes in and stops and like tries to let her in. But also keep in mind, A, how long a fucking truck takes to get going again. And B, a truck just came... I'm like, Leatherface just came for the driver. That driver... 
who <laughs> wasn't yeah. prepared for literally no, any he of has, this. He has like lizard brain at this point. Like when you when you there's are a bleeding girl and a guy wearing skin with the yeah and like le- Leatherface. This is another uh, I like kind of commented on this while we were watching it, but like another thing that I take for granted is like imagine seeing this in theaters like opening weekend 1974 and you've read nothing about it and you just see Leatherface for the first time. Like, you know, as as like a horror icon that we all like know and love. We're like, yeah, it's Leatherface. That's what he looks like. He's, He's my buddy. Visually striking but, of the slashers. Yeah. But like the first yeah, the first time you see that thing, like, it is it is monstrous. Like Leatherface is such a perfect uh abstraction of horror. Like he is yeah. just a gorgeous beast of a thing. And so yeah, like that that driver that uh runs over the the hitchhiking brother. And then in a stops very for satisfying crunch yeah. splash mush. Very good, but then yeah, is confronted with Leatherface and just goes and jumps out of the car. He doesn't know what the fuck to do either, and he's going in one direction, and you know, gets him with a wrench and yeah, he's like, got a good arm. He throws a wrench at Leatherface. It's pretty good. Has a good arm. Sally's like desperately trying to get in and out of the road. You know, a truck comes in and makes that hard U turn as that like the other drivers like. Well down the road by this point. Yeah, other driver gets away. And Sally's trying to get in, and that car itself is, like, having trouble to get going, and, like, she's standing on the wheel well, and you're like, is it going to clip her feet as she goes? Yeah. And she, like, barely makes it in. And we've talked about this with the third movie, but the thing that I love about a Chainsaw Massacre heroine is uh, how little time they have to spend with Leatherface to be completely changed. Yeah. Um, to where their like brain chemistry is just different now. Yeah. Like every single time they really like it could be 20 minutes to an hour, but like they're just so completely and utterly wired differently for the rest of their lives. Yeah. It literally is like a non like it, it's similar to like an interaction with like Cenobites and Hellraiser, but somehow just like without any supernatural element, without any sort of like you know interdimensional or like oh we're from another plane of existence but just like this is this is just some human people that exist in texas but like yeah you interact with them for 20 minutes and like your entire brain is altered forever because <laughs> she escapes but now she's laughing yeah she's covered in blood and as they're driving away she's just cackling <laughs> After all of her friends and her brother were murdered in front of her. And she's been nonstop screaming in abject terror for an entire night. Um, And, like, Sally gets away, but did she? Like, Yeah. And that, you know, goes back to that, like, chef's kiss of a tagline. Oh, yeah. Who will survive and what will be left of them. Which might be the greatest line of copy ever written. Like that copywriter should have bought his house off of that. Right. I am like I I am a copywriter currently. That is my non podcasting job and job. <laughs> podcasting is not a but uh yeah, that is that is that is my day job and I I go to bed every night knowing that I will never write anything as good as who will survive and, and what, what will, will be, be left, left of them. them. Because it's like you read it and you're like, oh, cause he's got a chainsaw. He's cutting off arms and legs or whatever. Even if they, you know, get away, they're going to get carved up by a chainsaw. So like, they're going to be missing pieces. It's like, no, no, no. Like there's, there's nothing left of the person that went into that house. Like this is a completely different person. Like Sally died in that house and and something else is driving down the road. Yeah. Who 
who knows what she's going to be like at that point. And then you get to the point that for some reason always fucking makes me cry. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's like a really great scene in a documentary or it's just like an impossible, like stunt in a Jackie Chan movie. It's just one of those moments where you're like, I am so happy someone was there with a camera and put this on film and I get to see it forever. Um, because that chainsaw dance, yeah, there's something like brutal and animalistic, but at the same time, like it moves like Swan Lake does in terms of like this, like balletic yet somehow like found in nature type of dance. Yeah. It's, it's Leatherface. It's like angry, but like, Oh God, sorry. Yeah. No, just, just Leatherface, uh, frustratedly swinging a chainsaw around uh like broad daylight middle of the street but like sally got away he's angry and he swings his chainsaw and somehow it is like one of the most beautiful pieces of performing art that i've ever seen i i feel like yeah like gunner just like tapped into something there that is yeah like you said it's it's primal and animalistic but it it is not just like guys mad and swinging chainsaw it is somehow like maybe accidentally just tapped into like motions that create the visual language of like i see it and like it feels like something is squeezing my heart and i feel like profound sadness and and beauty and frustration all at once yeah i I don't understand it i don't know what it is but it's like when someone you know does some like modern interpretive dance and you're like oh yeah that does feel like jealousy in the form of movement or whatever but like somehow they just tapped into that and god it is a perfect piece of film and like especially when it like cuts to black and you're just like sitting with that yeah and that and that's the the sound and the noise and the fury and then nothing yeah and and that's the moment that like more than anything else like has not gotten one ounce less effective for me on the you know hundreds of times that i've seen this movie throughout my life because uh texas chainsaw is very much like a a comfort movie for me uh where like me too actually yeah it's and i like i feel like when i say these things i i am always worried that it's like going to sound like a like a try hard edgy thing because sometimes you meet those dudes that are like i fucking watch serbian film for fun because it's that makes me laugh real hard (laughs) but like it genuinely is just such a nostalgic piece of film for me and something that i like saw so much as a kid growing up that like the familiarity familiarity of all of it is just like a warm hug it's a big warm hug of a movie there's like so much that i love about it and so much that just like makes me smile and makes me feel good uh and so you know moments of like horror or like the the corpses which by the way the corpse makeup or like prosthetics it's so good it's so good because they do something uh that not enough uh people who are making corpses for horror films even now uh do which is that they like they focus on how fatty a body is how much like the way fat decomposes and how much just like jelly and soapy yeah it's just a lot of like 
yeah, it's a lot of goop that people don't take into account. Bodies tend like, to be too dry in movies, I've yeah, noticed. Yeah, they, yeah, a lot of like special effects corpses go to like mummy really quickly, and it's like, no, man, there's a lot of fat, there's a lot of gelatin, there's a lot of goop before that. Like, decomposition is a real gross, messy, sticky thing. I know I don't sound like a tryhard because when I said I cry at the ending, my coworkers mostly just giggled because it feels in line with me and not like... Right, like it's on brand. <laughs> but yeah, I like the, the movie, you know, is so like nostalgic and comf- comfortable for me that like, you know, I, I'm not like, ah, at the jump scares and I'm not like, oh no, Leatherface, he's scary. I'm like, yeah, that's my dad. Uh, but that's the moment that is like not changed for me at all like i still feel exactly what i felt the first time i saw that movie it's knowing that humans can like bottle a feeling yeah like anytime you see like a work of art because it doesn't always have to be a positive emotion right you could see it with like fear or anger or jealousy but when you like see someone like manage to distill um something so translatable as like a feeling um when it like transcends absolutely anything else and you're just like there it is that's that's exactly what it is and it feels like it should be easier said than done but it so isn't um because i don't think we ever give credit for like how complicated all of our emotions are um so when i see something that's just like we're gonna we're gonna really just get like the heightened effects of fear uh, yeah. across this runtime and like we're just a mortal group of people on like a shoestring budget but we managed to do this and it's forever now like we're in 2021 and we are still talking about it with like the same reverence that it deserved and knowing that this came from like somebody sitting in a hundred degree weather and they're like I hope that's worth it and it's like I hope everyone knows that it was yeah. like everything every bit of like actual blood sweat and tears that went into this like it paid off and we are so used to seeing like great artists die with only four people knowing them and we're so used to seeing like underrated works of art be pushed for like you know capitalistic feats of society where it's just like look we made this big shiny thing fuck this other beautiful small gem that everyone's gonna forget about so when something like actually like gets the flowers it deserves for the effort that's in you take joy in that yeah no absolutely i yeah couldn't couldn't say it better myself thank you (laughs) uh this is uh just to just to kind of piggyback on that i feel like uh it also is just a as far as like a nonverbal expression of something it's a moment that like makes me appreciate that like humans existed for so long before we had language yeah and like uh that you know sometimes uh for for as much as obviously language allowed us to uh you know uh, convey uh, like yeah and and to you know become uh like uh, civilized and create technology and like you know record things for future generations that help us to learn and grow and stay safe and whatnot uh sometimes uh potentially ascribing language to emotions uh is maybe reductive you know to like uh that, that might like limit us in some ways where it's like you know, you gotta gotta fit everything into the box that is described by the word angry, but it's like you you know you see that movement of Leatherface with a chainsaw and you're like, nah, emotions are bigger than that. Like, that, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I'm just imagine that for a long time before we developed language uh, as a species, there was a lot of like that movement to convey things, you know? Yeah. Kind of like uh, the emotion you saw the other day where you're like, that lady's yelling at her teenage son. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the hand that just goes up yep. in the air, the yeah. come on. You see the hand and you're like, <laughs> oh, she's she's so mad at it's specifically a teenage boy. <laughs> yeah. We saw it from a block down the street. I'm like, I know what that is. Yeah. That's the universal sign for my teenage son is a dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> and, I've, and I've told him the same goddamn thing three times. <laughs> yeah. Oh Anyways, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, huh? I don't know what we're calling a double feature, but I do know what the food is. No, we gotta get a title first. Hang on, okay. we gotta get a title. We gotta there's there's big old uh, butcher double feature. Big old butchers, um, big beautiful butchers. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Wait, are we doing that? <laughs> I was joking, but then you made a face like it was serious. All right, so my snack pick for the big beautiful butchers <laughs> double feature it. is. At least we went BBB instead of BBW. That's true. All right. So what's what's your snack pick? So for the big beautiful butcher's double feature. Yep. Um, keep saying it. You're gonna reach underneath your chair when you get to your seat. Okay. And you're gonna pull out a jar of pickled pig's feet. Okay. Yeah. Because they tried to make it a magnificent butcher. Right. Right. And there's just a lot of pig in a the other one, yeah. and it just looks like raw and meaty. And like the smell is very pungent. Right, right. Um, and because the movie is basically just like, um, what if we could just like project discomfort and terror at you? Uh, eating an entire jar of pickled pig's feet <laughs> while you sit and watch Texas. And you Chains have to eat Massacre. the entire jar. Uh, oh yeah, and here's the other thing: you have to eat the entire jar, or an usher with a chainsaw will <laughs> chase oh, okay. you to the parking oh, lot. Oh wow! All right, that escalated like <laughs> pretty. Pretty severely. I wasn't yeah. expecting uh, actual chainsaw murder as part of the experience. Yeah, yeah. You have to eat the entire jar. Okay. Or an usher with a chainsaw will chase you out. All right. That seems that seems fair. Also, remember that eventually you have to eat all of our snack picks. So. Yeah, I have to eat a whole jar of pickled pig's feet. Uh, all right. Down. <laughs> oh, my mic re- literally just tried to I, like peace out for yeah, that. Her mic just... Uh, she did a mic drop. I I'm hoping that it sounds... Like, I was like, cool, I'm down, I'll eat pickled pig's feet. And then you just threw your fucking microphone <laughs> like, I'm out of here. Uh, where can the people find you, Elijah? Uh, you can find me on uh, on Twitter. I'm at Elijah underscore pizza. Uh, and that's that's where I live. <laughs> that's my house. Is there anything on a Twitch channel somewhere people can see to watch full episodes of a thing that you did? Oh, yeah, it's over now. But, uh, the episodes are up. Oh, well, it was a it was a live stream, but it was in the past. It's still on a, Twitch. That's what I'm saying. It's a recorded stream. Uh, it's a no longer live stream. Uh, it was on twitch.tv slash wizworldlive. Uh, I was, I did, I did some cool role playing. Uh, for uh, yeah, we played A24's mm-hmm. uh, the Green Knight tabletop role playing game. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. But uh, I think more than specifically watching those, you, you guys should probably just check out like twitch.tv slash was world live because uh, it's a friend of the podcast who has a great Twitch channel uh, that y'all should should tune into. There's a lot of good quality content happening over there. 
uh frankie g just uh bringing bringing great uh weekly programming to twitch like the uh doom room and uh whiz world live uh yeah, follow Frankie G on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know. So Frankie's you can find Twitter me under N E S S Guerrero on Twitter and S N E S Guerrero on Instagram, and you can check out the streams I'm working on for G4 on Wednesdays and Thursdays. I just did an all horror stream recently, and then I just did a, a video with the Completionist on uh, PT and horror games in general. And actually, today I did a video for G4 with the Completionist on thirteen indie horror games to play for friday the 13th uh and i played so many indie horror games that i vomited uh so please watch that video so that it's worth it Hell yeah! <laughs> and also uh i'm gonna give you my pick for the next one. Oh, right now yeah okay uh but first i think people should go to twitter and follow uh frankie griffin he's at frankie G oh my fucking baby. god <laughs> I know you're going to have a bit by the end of this. And also uh, follow us on Kick Screen Pod, uh, where uh, Eric is going to be starting this week, which is very exciting. He's got a lot of fun stuff planned for the socials. Um, and my pick for next week is Bloodsport Bitch. Oh, shit. I got to pick a horror movie? <laughs> to with Bloodsport. Keeping you on your fucking toes. All right. All right. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah? Yeah. All right. All right. We're cool. going to do that. It's going to be good. We're going to do Bloodsport next week. We'll see what Elijah pairs it Fuck. with. And uh, right. we love you. Bye. We love you. Bye. We love you. Bye.